Welcome to the International Bus Podcast brought to you by Wordbee. This is your co-host, Tanya Falkner. And uh, your co-host, Robert Rogi. In today's episode, we'll talk about how to deal with clients and make them fall in love with you. And for that, we invited Caroline Alberoni. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, yes, it's perfect. <laughs> Great. So Caroline has been a translator since 2010, and she's running her own business called Alberoni Translations, where she's translating from English and Italian into Brazilian Portuguese, but also from Brazilian Portuguese into English. And her main area of expertise is IT, marketing, business, and environment. Carolina actually has been voted one of the top 25 language Twitterers in 2016, and we are really excited that you are joining us today. Well, thank you very much. I am excited to be part of your podcast, and I really appreciate the invitation. I was really happy to be invited. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, if I may start talking about myself. Yeah, well, sure, go ahead. I'm going to interrupt, yeah? actually, quick. Yeah. So sure. you're a top 25 <laughs> language Twitterer. Do you think it should be Twitterer or Tweeter? Good question. Uh, yeah, well, as far as I know, they use the term Twitterer. As far as I know, but now I'm confused. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Twitter is like the bird, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the term they use is Twitter. I Tw- think Twitter. Twitter, yes. Yeah, Maybe the, we should suggest Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking yeah. Twitter, you know, because the act of using Twitter is tweeting. So if you are yeah. a top Twitter user, then you're a top tweeter. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes total sense. Yeah, but I will have to check that afterwards because now I'm confused. <laughs> it, it seems like this is something that only people in the language industry are discussing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, only we're wasting us. our time discussing this. <laughs> this. <laughs> we are the only ones who pay attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, but go ahead. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I'm Brazilian and I live in Brazil in the southeastern region in the state of Sao Paulo. Well, I majored in in translation here in Brazil. So I have a bachelor's degree in translation, uh, specialized in um, English and Italian. And then I did my master's in translation studies with intercultural communication in England, in the UK. And after that, I moved back to Brazil and uh, started translating as a freelance. And I'm doing so ever since. So it's since 2010. Well, as you said, I work with English and Italian and with marketing, IT, business and environmental texts, materials. I work both for translation agencies and direct clients. I'm a social media lover, so I'm widely present on social media. So I have a, a Facebook page. I have, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I love Twitter, as my status <laughs> say. It's my favorite platform. I have a blog where I usually blog three times a month. Actually, it's not myself every time. I have a series of interviews called the greatest women in translation, where I interview interesting women, but they are not nominated by me, myself. They nominate each other. So this month's interviewee indicates uh, or 
yeah, nominate the next interviewee and so on and so forth. So that's a very interesting interview. It's in English. And if one would like to have a look, my blog is caroltranslation.com. And I also have a series of guest posts. In, in this case, I myself invite the guests. And then the, the third post, monthly post, is by myself. And I also have a podcast myself, but my podcast is based in, in Portuguese mostly. I may have like three episodes in English, but that's it. The rest is all in, in Portuguese because I interview them in person and I also record in videos. So that's why most of the times they're in Portuguese because I have to record them in person. Cool. Well, cool. Yeah, thank you. I guess we will not be on your podcast because Portuguese might be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> It would be very funny to try to do an interview with someone using machine translation. <laughs> Just see what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. So my first question is actually, as we said, we're going to talk about the topics, how to deal with clients and make them fall in love with you. So how do you communicate with clients? Well, yeah, I'm usually very prompt in my communication with clients, especially clients. I know some people think that, for example, email is not a productive thing, that we shouldn't, if we stop every time to reply to emails, that we lose time and we lose focus and so on. But my opinion is quite different. I always treat my clients with priority. So I keep my email open at all times during my workday. And whenever they send me an email, I reply promptly, either... Even if it's only to confirm receipt of something or if you say, okay, I got your request, your quote request, I'll deal with it and I will reply to you later this afternoon or tomorrow because I'm too busy right now. But at least I reply to them at first, uh, giving them some kind of explanation as to, well, I received your email and I will deal with it at certain point. I think this is very important. I think actually this was the most important point, I think, for a good client um, communication and relationship. And what I have seen with time is that they really appreciate it, really. And they are like surprised that I even reply to them or that I am prompt in my replies because Well, you know, nowadays we live in a very uh, fast-paced world and uh, everything is for yesterday. Well, I appreciate when people reply to me as soon as possible because we need things fast. So why not deal with clients the same way? Because sometimes projects are urgent and they at least need to know if we are available, if we can help them or not. So they are really appreciative of that. And I keep doing that. And I don't think that I lose a lot of time doing that, to be frank. Of course, I just treat clients with this kind of mm -hmm. special treatment, not the rest. If it's like a translator that wants to ask me something and then I'll just deal with it later. Or if it's, I don't know, family, mm -hmm. friends, I just deal with it later. But clients always receive my prompt responses. Right. Well, you know, like from the client perspective, that precise moment when they are asking you if you're available for work, for a job, I think that's probably the peak 
fear moment for the client is that they're not going to staff their project on time because usually yeah. they have uh, tight deadlines or like the reason why they could have a tight deadline. It's not necessarily that the whole world works so fast, right? But like translations tend to be fast because it's, it's also tends to be the last thing that gets done. Yeah. But yeah, that moment in particular with working with clients, I think is the moment that's most important to reply quickly. Yeah, and if it, even if it's like to say, I'm not available, I'm sorry, but at least you give them a prompt response and you get rid of it, you don't need to worry about it anymore, and the client can move on and do whatever they need to do to find another resource. But yeah. at, at least you show them that you care, that they are a priority in your portfolio of clients. How do you deal with it then when you yourself are not in your office or if you're like, I don't know, have a family trip or a holiday or whatever? And as you say, you're always responding very quickly. I guess clients sort of get used to that. Do they get very impatient when you don't respond immediately? That's a very good question, actually, because it also involves time zone. If I may expand your question, mm -hmm. I will talk about time zone as well, because, well, When I take a vacation, I am very serious about that as well. I think that, well, I'm a professional and I answer prompt and I care about my clients, but I also need a vacation. So my vacations are actual vacations. I don't work. So what I do is I plan in advance and whenever I know the dates, I'll be on vacation or if I will be on a conference or if I'll be away of the office for any reason, I try to communicate to them in advance. So for vacation, especially because it involves a longer period of time, I usually communicate my clients with one month in advance. It's like I set an um, alert on my phone to do that and not forget. So I say, okay, I'll be away on holidays from this to this date. So please try to advance your project or maybe wait for me or if not, I'll be unavailable during that time. And um, well, of course, I let them be free to consult me for projects to be delivered after that date after I come back from holidays, but I say that I will not respond as quickly as usual. And uh, the same holds true for time off or if I'm at a conference, I turn my out of office notification on the automated reply and I explain, I usually explain the reason I am out of office. So it's not just I'm out of office, And that's it. Okay, today I am out of office because of this and this and that. I will return my usual activities on a certain date and I explain and tell them when they can get in touch with me and if I will be able to reply to their contact in that day or during that period or not. So I usually show them and give them orientations as to what they can expect or not expect during that time. And uh, as to time zones, I, of course, I have clients all over the world. So what I do is I'm not available 24 seven. 
I'm sorry, but that's not how I work. I'm a human being. I have to sleep. I have to take care of myself. I go to the gym. I don't work on the weekends. So my clients are already used to that. And if I have a new client, I tell them, okay, so my working hours are from Monday to Friday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., UTC minus three, and that's it. So if they contact me after that time, I will not reply to emails, and they are already used to that. And they keep sending me emails because they are in different time zones. It makes sense. So I will reply to them in the next morning as soon as I am sitting in my desk to work. And this is not a problem because usually people say, okay, but my client sends me email at night. Okay, they do send you email at night, but that doesn't mean you need to reply to them. If they know that it's your out-of-office hours, they don't expect you to reply. So you can reply in the next morning if they already know. The issue here is, the point here is that you need to keep your client aware of your hours and how you work. So if they know what to expect from you, then everything is fine hmm. and uh, you can have a good communication. The problem is people usually don't communicate, so they don't have working hours and uh, out of a sudden, of course, the client will send you an email at, in the middle of the night because that's their mm-hmm. work hour. And if you reply, it means you are available. So the client yeah. will keep doing that and expect that you keep doing that. And then you set a, a precedent that you're going to be available during those hours. But, you know, exactly. like a lot of these things to me, you know, because each translator is like their own little individual business, right? Um, yes. Like their own little individual shop. And, you know, like if you think about a business, like most business have businesses have opening hours or business hours that they keep. And so if you look at it like that, like translators are, you know, basically their own little individual businesses, then it's the most natural thing in the world that they should also have business hours when they are open for business, you know. Mm -hmm. But so do you think that that translators in the way that they work with clients sometimes forget that they're a business? Yeah, I think that they do most of the times, actually. I see people have a lot of difficulty seeing themselves as business and they cannot separate personal life from professional life adequately. So the key is when you were a freelancer or when you were a one-person business, let's say, The key thing is just like any other business in the world, you have to separate both lives and to deal with your professional life in a professional way and see yourself as a business, as an entrepreneur, because then you can pass this view to the client and the client will see you as a professional because you show that to them. Because if you deal with things well, in a careless way and, okay, you you don't have business hours, you just reply whenever you want or something like that, then the client will not respect yourself as a professional because you don't behave as a professional. So Hmm. I think the problem with translators is that most of them, most of us, let's say, do not see ourselves as a business. And then like what clients think of us or what other people think of us is what we actually show them. 
So you have to show them we are professionals and we work in professional ways so that they can respect us the way we do work. I think I like that too, that, you know, and, and just the idea of separating the business life from the personal life, because like, you know, an alternative solution is to not have a personal life <laughs> and just, just <laughs> oh, have a well. business life. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> and uh, it works pretty good in the professional life, but it, it doesn't work in the, all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but don't you think part of that is also that as a freelancer, you sort of take advantage of being able to set your own working hours and then maybe at least at the beginning you don't want to work from nine to five or eight to five you can set your own hours so you might yeah. change them around how you want them to be and of course then you end up answering emails during the night uh-huh but yeah the actually good thing and is the magical thing about being a freelance is that i said i work from eight to five because that's how i work but I know translators who prefer working during the night, then that's fine. My point here is that you should set your own working hours, whatever they are. It can be, I don't know, from midnight to 6 a.m. Well, no problem. That's going to be perfect for other time zones, maybe, if that works for you. But I think the key is setting those working hours, whatever they are. Each professional has their own way of working and their own preferences and their own style. I, for example, always say I'm single and I live by myself. So everything is pretty easy. I can work around my schedule in an easy way. I can set my personal and professional schedule in an easy way. But what about those people who are married and have kids? So you have to work your schedule around the kids and the family. But the important thing is that not the time, you don't need to set your working hours at predefined business hours. You can do that whenever suits you. But the problem, the most important thing is that you do, is that you have consistency because then you can also have time for your personal life, which is also important because we work with our heads and we get easily tired. And so it's very important that we have breaks as well, because otherwise we're going to get crazy at some point, either crazy or sick, because we spend, translators mainly spend a lot, of, a lot of time sitting for long hours in front of the computer. So we have to be careful with our body health and our mind health. Mm -hmm. Both of them need to be taken care of. So if you have a routine, if you have working hours, you only get advantages from that because your client knows what to expect from you at which time and when, and you can also take care of your personal life or whatever you want to do. I don't know if I answered your point. Yes, definitely. It totally makes sense just to set, like communicate your working hours, whatever they are, is definitely. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I usually say my working hours and my working hours, they tend to be, they are business hours. And usually people think, okay, but yeah, uh, you were saying about business hours, but I don't like working business hours. My point is not exactly that. I'm just giving my example. The mm. thing is setting work hours and having a routine. That's my point. 
Yeah, and you know, like, it's interesting what Tanya was asking and about, uh, like, being a freelancer and taking advantage of the ability to not have those set hours. But what I find interesting is that, like, so we're talking about how to deal with clients and make them fall in love with you, right? Mm -hmm. And from the client perspective, I think the working hours thing, especially for translation, like this doesn't go for all freelancers. For example, you know, I work out of the office and and for my work, I don't think it really matters. But for translators in particular, it's important that clients know when they're going to be available because the projects move so fast, right? So for them, the business hours are really important, but maybe for the freelancer, you know, I think that some people, when they freelance, they really struggle to uh, either they struggle to keep set hours or they don't want to keep the set hours. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which. So it's not just like the afternoon thing, like, oh, I work better in the afternoon, so I'm going to set afternoon business hours. It's more like, you know, your friend wants to meet you to play Frisbee at noon <laughs> and uh, yeah. and you are a freelancer and okay so you're gonna go play you, some friends want you to go play frisbee they want you to go have drinks and have lunch for example yeah and it's like okay well you know you can look at your work and you can say well I can if I do that now then I can do this later or tomorrow or if I can get it done today before the end of the day or and then you can go play frisbee right and mm-hmm. so are we suggesting that we shouldn't do those things and we should really be strict with our hours or what? No, no, actually not. Because mm-hmm. uh, the beauty of being a freelance is having this freedom. But I usually see is that people use this freedom in the wrong way. So they usually use it, for example, to procrastinate. And then you lose precious time with things that don't matter. Having business hours doesn't mean that you need to be strictly adhering to those business hours no matter what. Of course, you can, or not you can, but yeah, you can try. I am very strict about it and I try to follow them as much as possible. But for example, this week, my schedule of jobs is kind of flexible, so I don't have many urgent jobs. And uh, I had some family problems last week. So yesterday I was really like tired and my sister was a bit sad. So I said, okay, let's just like have some ice cream and take the afternoon off. And I took the afternoon off. Of course, I keep an eye on my email because this was not time off planned beforehand. So uh, my clients don't know that I'm off. So I keep an eye on the email. But my schedule allowed me to take that time off and I needed it. So I just do it because mm-hmm. we have to use, as I said, we have to use that freedom to our favor. But why was I able to do that? Because when I needed to be productive, I was productive and I was not procrastinating or scrolling Facebook up and down. Yeah, because that's the key as well. So if you focus on your projects and you handle them as soon as you can, and then you have some free time on your hands, you can just do whatever you want. And you will not regret that because you did your best. So Mm -hmm. the thing is having a balance, actually. So you need to be strict, professional, and follow your own working hours. But you also need when to let it go and when to loosen that a bit. And, well, talking about working hours, actually, they don't need to be like from one time to the other, let's say, 
straight working hours. I have a friend, a colleague who is a translator, and she's a mother of two beautiful girls and married. So she has to work her schedule around her daughter's schedules. So she works bits and pieces throughout the day, and that's how it works for her. And it works. That's the thing, because she's diligent and when she has to work, she works and she does not procrastinate. So I think those are keys, being organized and uh, determined to follow your own routine, but also having the balance and freedom to choose when to work things around according to your needs. Such a good point. So moving away from working hours a little bit, I'm wondering if you've been in any difficult situation with a client where you didn't know how to deal with at first. Well, I'm not sure I have ever experienced that kind of thing. What usually happens is if I make a mistake, for example, which we all do. And also, by the way, is one of the points I separated to talk about is that if we make a mistake that we need to be frank to our client or if, I don't know, if we, not even a mistake, if we do something wrong for any reason and then like the client is really upset because it impacted him negatively or something like that, you need to be frank, open, apologize and tell them that however you can help, you will do and not create apologies or explanations. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, but I did that because this, 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 and this. No, that's not what the client wants. Mm -hmm. He's upset with you because of a, a bad situation that happened. If we're thinking that it was somehow the, the translator's fault or caused by the translator somehow, not make up excuses, but apologize and try to make yourself available to solve the problem somehow. So, okay, how can I help? How can I try to make things a bit less negative than they already are or something like that? As to other situations, I don't know. I always try to understand what the client wants. So if um, maybe I don't understand their request, for example, what they want. And after like going back and forth, talking to the client and I don't understand what exactly they want. Then I'm just frank and say, okay, oh, I cannot understand what you really need. And I think I may be not able to handle this project. It may be better if you find someone else who will be able to handle it properly. Those are the kind of situations that I think comes up my mind now related to that topic. I don't know what other situations could also involve things. Yeah, things like that. Because I think we also we always need to try to understand the client and their needs because each client is just like us, just like every translator is different from the other one. Clients are also different from themselves. So we have to try to understand what they need and each one will have a particular way of working. I have a client, for example, that uh, likes to send the content to be translated on the body of the email. It's horrible. <laughs> I, I tried to talk to him and say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to 
to take that and copy at least into a Word file so I can translate it. No, no problem. You do whatever you need, but I need the translator, the translation back on the body of the email. And I said, okay. So you just have like, it's horrible. You do whatever it takes, but then you have to accept the client's request because that's, that's how they work and that's how they like working. If they're reaching you to solve their problem, uh, you have to solve their problem and not create more problems. So we have to try to be flexible that way and try to understand them as much as possible because they're king. They, they are very important to us. So uh, whatever they say, of course, we can try to point them towards uh, what would be better for them. But if in the end they choose, well, something that you do not agree with, you have to accept it, either accept it or say, okay, I cannot handle with this. Maybe I can help you find someone else who does, or maybe it would be just better if you found someone else to handle uh, your job. So being open and frank and trying to understand the client, I think is also uh, very important in our professional. And treat them as unique mm -hmm. because they are. Hey, as you know, we like to keep things mostly non-commercial around here. And we like to just stick to interviewing the guests about fascinating subjects. But we would like to take a moment to mention a little bit about WordBee Translator. WordBee Translator is the translation management system developed by WordBee over the last 10 years. So we are celebrating 10 years now. It's all in one system, so you can manage projects. It also has linguistic tools. It has tools for finance, business analytics, and it's been around for 10 years, so it does pretty much anything you want. Before working for WordBee, I also used WordBee Translator. One of my favorite things about it was actually the invoicing because it made it really easy to manage supplier invoices, create them, and just not have to deal too much with the financial side of things. But other customers appreciate other things, like for example, it's a native cloud technology, so it's really collaborative. You know, you can keep track of what's going on in there at uh, any, any moment in your project. It's easy to set up different job assignment methods. You know, you can check your stats at any time. You can see how your project managers are performing. You can see how your translators are doing. And yeah, it does pretty much everything you want. It ends up fitting your organization like a glove, as we say. So that was just a word about Wurby Translator. Now, without further ado, back to the podcast. So you mentioned solving the customer's problems and, and understanding the customer. So I guess I'm wondering if you can think uh, of any examples where translators, instead of solving problems, are creating problems for their customers. Like what should translators be watching out for where they might be creating problems instead of solving them? Well, things that are accepted from us and that some of us actually know that this is basic things and that we should deliver that. But apparently some professionals do not know these things are key. First of all, delivering on time, it's basic. We know that we should deliver on time, but some professionals don't deliver on time and they don't even give the client an explanation as to why they are late. 
of course, things can happen, problems can happen, but be open and again, communicate with the client. I'm so sorry I had a family problem and I will try to do that in advance as well. Probably I will, won't be able to deliver the project on time. Can I deliver it maybe an hour later, two hours later? Always be open and frank and try to anticipate problems as much as possible. It's also really nice, I think, on the buyer side, when the translator sends you a message and says, everything is fine, I'm halfway done, right on schedule. Mm -hmm. Like for certain length projects, I just love that. You know, WordBee is a translation management system, right? And it has the integrated cat tool. And so when we switched to WordBee, because I used to be a WordBee customer, one of the reasons was because I wanted those instant progress updates. Like I wanted to know that my project is running on time, you know, that the translators are, they are doing their thing and everything is going to come together. So like for translators that have direct customers, I think it's a great idea not just send out a message saying, you know, oh, we're running behind schedule or there's a problem, but actually sending out a message saying we are on schedule and everything is fine when you're yeah. on schedule and everything is fine. <laughs> you know, that's a very good point because I heard that same point some a while ago and I don't do that, to be frank. I don't keep customers updated on the progress of the job. But I heard that some people do. Hey, I'm starting the review step right now, so you should be receiving the translation soon enough or you should receive the translation in advance or something like that. So I've heard other translators keep the clients updated on the progress of the translation. And now you said it again, and I'm starting to think that I should start doing that because, yeah, it shows you care. And um, what I usually like to do is think how I would like to be treated as a client with any service. So when I need a service, how do I like to be treated as a client? And then I try to reflect this on my own clients. And that's a good thing because whenever you have like a long, you need to someone, oh, I'm, I'm opening a bank account right now. And uh, the woman uh, told me, okay, it should be open in one week. I said, okay, I like, okay. So in one week, I should be expecting the account to be open. Not only did she not give me any update at all, I had to keep asking her all the time after one week, hey, what's the status on my bank account? Oh, you know, this happened and that happened and that happened. So maybe if she told me beforehand, okay, I'm handling this right now and your account should be open in blah, blah, blah. It should be fine because then we know what to expect and we can plan accordingly. So maybe even if you are able to deliver early, which sometimes it can happen, then the client said, hey, great. The translator is going to deliver the translation earlier than expected. So I can already start thinking how I can, if I don't know if maybe they need to handle translation internally somehow with DTP or they need to build the material on the translation so they can already expedite things uh, inside the office as well. So yeah, that's a very good idea, Robert. I liked it and I may be applying that 
in my own um, work from now mm. on. That's a very good point. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if like maybe something to watch for is like if you're a translator and you're out there and, and you see that your customer is often pinging you, hey, how is it going? Then that would be a good sign that maybe it's a good idea to like just preempt it and send something nice or maybe just do it for new clients. And yeah. then when things get more comfortable, then maybe you could stop doing it because they know that you're going to be on time all the time. Yes. And especially for longer projects, I think. Right. Because then like the mm -hmm. expectancies is higher because you don't know it. Are they maybe handling it? Are they not? So if you make a step to tell them and they don't even need to check on this status, hey, how is it going? You do it and you prompt yourself to tell them how it's going. I think it's a good thing, especially for longer projects. But then I want to link with another point I wanted to talk about and that I actually already mentioned is that we have to adapt to our clients. Each client is different from the other. For example, with new clients, especially direct clients, I usually create a glossary so that they can have a look at the terms I chose for their translation and see if they agree with the terms or not. But what I discovered is that some clients just don't bother. I kept sending them the glossary and they wouldn't reply saying, okay, the terms are approved. Some clients do appreciate that a lot, but others don't. They just, as I said, they just want their problem solved and they don't know how you solved it. I say it because it's just like me. If I mm -hmm. don't like doing something and I need a problem solved and I pay someone to do it, I just want my problem solved. I don't know how they did it. The important thing is just that my problem is solved in an appropriate way in, the, in that I am happy with the result. That's it. So we have to adapt. Like, isn't the glossary something that ideally your client would deliver to you and not the other way around? If you think about translation agencies, yes, but not direct clients, because usually mm -hmm. direct clients, they don't have that kind of material, not neither a style guide. And mm -hmm. sometimes when you start working with them, sometimes they are like brand new in translation. They have never translated before. Or even if they had another resource, they don't know. They didn't have their material. So, for example, I have a brand new direct client that had translation agency providing translations to them and now I am providing translations to them. So what I do is I visit their website and try to follow the previous translations as much as possible. But sometimes it would be really good if they could tell me, okay, we prefer this term instead of this term because we know that sometimes we have similar terms and that a matter of preference and not exactly of uh, if it's right or wrong. So I like it that way, but this client doesn't. They just mm -hmm. don't care. As long as I do my job and deliver a good work, it's fine for them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the point. We should adapt. Also questions. Translators usually say, no, we have to ask questions throughout the job because the client likes mm -hmm. that. Not every client does. Some oh, clients, man, that's amazing. I'm yeah, so, it's amazing you brought that up. I mean, like as a former project manager for my own small firm, 
I mean, it's good to see questions in the sense that, okay, it's like, yeah, okay, this translator knows what, what they're doing. But on the other hand, sometimes it's like, it depends a little bit on the question. And there are, I don't know, I bet, at least for my taste, maybe half of the translators I've worked with asked too many questions. And I just thought to myself, well, I, I would have rather you you figured that out yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. And especially because most of the questions are useless, right? It's not the matter of asking questions, asking pertinent questions or relevant questions. It's not the mm. matter if, I don't know, maybe the source is confusing and you are not able to figure it out. Okay, mm -hmm. so you should consult the client. We're not talking about obvious questions here or mm -hmm. any problem with the translation. Hey, there's a segment missing or there's mm -hmm. a, a word missing and I can't try to figure out what it is. Could mm -hmm. you maybe have a look? Of course, these are obvious questions, but mm -hmm. the problem is translators, some translators, not all, they are very lazy in researching and most of the questions could be solved just by a quick research on Google. Hey, is word B a brand name or should we translate it? I often see questions like that. It's like, come on, really? <laughs> just Google it, man. And then like the other translators mm -hmm. in the group, if we're talking about translation agencies have to go through this. We spend useless time with useless things. Um, mm -hmm. I well, rarely ask questions myself, only when it's really needed. Right, right. You know, it's funny about agencies because like with direct clients, I think everything is different. And obviously it's a better relationship for translators to have. But yeah. as a former agency owner, I often had the impression that the translators I was working with, and, and we were a good agency and we worked with pretty much the same sort of team of translators for the whole time, for like seven years. But so we had a great relationship and everything was great. But, you know, sometimes I had the idea that they thought that their question was going to get forwarded to the customer somehow. And, you know, the truth is, is that the agency is actually going to filter 99 out of 100 questions. The agency wants to provide the service that you're talking about, the one where there's no problem, there's no question, it's like, here it is, it's done, it's perfect, right? So the agency will actually try to answer your question without referring to the customer if they can. Yeah. Um, and then they will they will end up doing the same thing that you just described. So the agency is like, okay, here's this question. Oh, man, I'm going to go look on Google for the answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it, that's pretty much what happens. And so then they have to filter the questions out. Yeah, you have to be careful with those things because some translators are just like newbies and they don't know how to behave. And if they listen to another experienced translator saying, hey, clients like that we ask questions, they're just going to ask random questions. And uh, whenever they have a doubt, not even researching things. And that's what you said. Now we can imagine most of the times, let's say, we have urgent requests. So let's say we have 200 words to translate for tomorrow and you have a question and we are working with a translation agency. So I have to ask this question to the project manager. And if it's a question to ask the client, the project manager has to contact the client and the client has to answer to the project manager. And then the project manager has to answer to the translator. And this is thinking on a pretty straightforward relationship here. So 
by the time I get the answer, it's going to be like, I don't know, two days after I had already delivered the translation. So that's why I usually think I'm not going to get the answer fast enough. Let me try as much as possible to try to find the answer. And sometimes what we can also do is like write just a comment in the delivery. Hey, I was in doubt in segment five. I'm not sure what the client meant by this and that. I assumed it was this, but if it's not, just let me know and I'll correct it. Because then sometimes it's faster to do that way. And if you are correct, nothing needs to be done and we didn't lose time, neither of us, the translator, the client, and the agency, the project manager. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be careful with the things, how we handle the project. We have we always had to keep in mind that we are the problem solvers and we have to try to solve the problem and to translate, which is our job, as much as possible without the help of the client, only when it's strictly necessary in that case. How do you make your clients see how important you are to them and that you're indispensable? Well, it's actually, it's not a one answer question. It's like a group of things and you make the client fall in love with you because of the group of things that you provide to them. And it starts from the very first communication, as I said, with prompt replies, friendly prompt replies. Try to always keep in mind that most of the times we're dealing with another culture, so we cannot afford to be misunderstood. So we have to be clear as much as possible and friendly as much as possible. So from this very start, and then do your job, deliver on time, do the research. Doing the research is your job, not the client's job. And uh, translate with quality and being attentive to the client's needs and to what the client wants. Try to deliver as much as possible before the deadline, if possible. And here, mm-hmm. some people usually say, oh, no, if I deliver on early, then the client is going to be badly used to that. And he's going to request that I always deliver beforehand. But, hey, not always are we able to deliver before the deadline. So to begin with, we will not be able to do that every time. So It's not possible Mm -hmm. that the client will expect that from you every time. But whenever you can, try to do that because clients appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Besides doing your job, you are going the extra mile and you are helping them even more than they expected. You know, setting deadlines is kind of an art form. (laughs) We could do a whole podcast just about (laughs) setting deadlines. But I, I agree, like if you are setting your deadlines well... You should be able to deliver early from time to time because there should be that cushion there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What I usually do is whenever a client asks me for a quote and they don't give me the expected deadline up front, what I usually ask is, okay, I'm preparing your quote as we speak, but could you please provide some more details as to do you have any expected deadline? And for that, I mean the maximum you can 
expect that translation. So I ask for the client's maximum expected deadline. And then based on that, I'm going to work with my quote. So I know if I need to charge extra for urgent jobs or if I have a loose deadline. For example, yesterday I got translation of 300 words to be delivered by the end of the month. So it's like perfect. Of course, <laughs> we not always have that. But today, that translation was in the client's inbox. So I delivered today. It was for the 24th because I had some free time in my hands and I already handled it. So I just got rid of it. So if I have any new projects coming up, I can handle these new projects and the client is happy as well. I think interesting there is that, I don't know, for me, there are sort of like two different sorts of deadlines. So there's the one where you say, this is the date that I want my translations done or whatever I want the project done. And then there's a deadline where you say, okay, this is really the absolutely last day that I need this project done by. Exactly, yeah. And you probably have clients, some who work with the first sort of deadline and some with the second. And depending on that, you know, they might be okay with either you delivering late or of course not at all because they really need it by that day. Mm. Mm -hmm. And some clients are going to be working with that, just the, I don't know which one it was, but just the absolutely last day deadline just by virtue of not having their translations prepared in time. So that can also happen where it's like, okay, like we need to launch this product and we have to have it localized first, but we don't have the content ready. You know, this happens yes. or the mm -hmm. software is not built yet or there's this or that. And yeah, it can make things difficult. But it, yeah. yeah, to provide yourself with a cushion wherever you can is a good idea. I yeah, think. this is uh, this is a, a good point also for productivity because what I do is like, well, sometimes we handle several projects at the same time. So what I do is I could track on a notepad right beside my computer where I read, write down all the projects that I have to handle, the deadline and the number of words or the time that I need to spend on that project. So then I will handle them in priority order. So if I need to handle one project, if I need to deliver one project today, that's the one I'm working on beforehand. And then the one for tomorrow and then the one for next week. And then I work on that. And I just don't look at the deadline and say, okay, I have time. I'll just procrastinate or whatever. And if we do that all the time, we are losing money because sometimes we have good deadlines. And if we leave the project for last minute, when the time comes, other projects can arrive in your e-box and you're not going to be able to handle them because you left that other project to handle last minute. So, yeah, you lose money and you are not able to attend your client as well mm -hmm. to, yeah, to meet your client's needs. Yeah, and another thing is that if you deliver on time and if you deliver early most of the time, you also have a good relationship with your clients. So especially translation agencies, what I have seen with time is that when a translation agency says, okay, can you deliver this translation by tomorrow at five? And I say, hey, can't you give me a bit more deadline? Well, 
and the client usually knows that I always deliver on time. So what they say is, okay, you always deliver on time. So I don't have anything to worry about you. So I will give you the maximum deadline I can. So it's like a win-win situation here as well, because you have a good reputation of delivering on time or even earlier. And then the client also appreciates and is going to give you the maximum deadline they can possible. So it's like... Um, to, yeah, both of you uh, win with this situation. Mm -hmm. So do you have any clients that are using like a translation management system, similar to WordBe actually, that automates a lot of these messages between the client or the agency and yourself? And does that make it harder for you to like establish yourself? Like, do you find the automated communications makes it harder for you to show why you're important? No, no, I don't think so. Because then like Mm -hmm. what I usually do with some clients that have uh, those kind of uh, platforms or tools, what I usually do is I send them a quick email saying, hey, it's done. Mm -hmm. So everything is sorted out in this platform. But even so, I just send them a quick mail saying, hey, it's done. Because I don't know how it works inside the client's office. Mm -hmm. So I just send them a quick email. So they know, and if they want to handle it right away, they can do. So towards this delivering early or delivering on time, that's how I handle. Mm -hmm. And for other things, I think it just like simplify things, I guess, because then you can handle all the steps of the projects in a tool and uh, you can do it whenever you want. So the file will be ready for you to fetch in the system or you can ask a question directly in the system or something like that. So everything is automated Mm -hmm. and you don't need the back and forth on email, for example. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I think, yeah. Did I answer a question? Yeah, (laughs) I think so. I think so. Yeah. I was just curious. I mean, I've, I've read somewhere, you know, that, that translators are sort of uncertain sometimes and uh, about working in these systems. And since, you know, we're from WordBee and we are one of those systems, I thought I'd better ask. (laughs) Yeah, I never worked with WordBee, so I cannot say. But what I do know is that everything is relative, of course. Uh, There are some tools that are more difficult to work with, but Mm -hmm. I think that most of them are pretty straightforward and it just simplifies things, in my opinion. Mm. I've never had any problem, I guess, with those kind of tools. Coming back to how to make clients fall in love with you, basically our whole conversation was about that. But if you had to pick, like, let's say your top three tips of how to make clients fall in love with you, what would they be? Prompt communication and friendly communication. They really appreciate it when you you are friendly and you try to understand their problem and uh, see it through their eyes. Delivering, doing your job, because apparently that's obvious. That's obvious for me, but apparently that's not obvious for everybody. And clients are usually really, really happy with me for just doing my job. And I say, hey, I just did my job. But if they are happy with me, that means that maybe they had a bad experience before me. So do your job, do a good translation, a quality translation and deliver on time and try to deliver earlier. 
And also something else that includes in the doing your job thing is like keeping the formatting of the source. I just found out that people don't do that. I don't know why. And nowadays we have translation tools, CAT tools that can keep the formatting exactly as is. Or even if we don't work with CAT tools, you just need to translate on top of it. So I don't know how or why translators do that, but apparently they don't deliver the file as they received. And also go the extra mile either in delivering early or in complimenting the client or in showing appreciation. I always send Christmas cards and a little something for my clients every year at the end of the year. And whenever I feel like I would like to thank my clients, I send them a thank you card as well. And, you know, I have a translation agency I work for in the United States with whom I have a very a great relationship. Their payment term is 45 days net. They always, almost always pay me in advance. And by saying in advance, this month they paid me after 10 days, 10 days. And when I appreciate saying, hey, come on, seriously, like you rock. What they say is we're just trying to pay back what you do for us. So, you know, those things show that the client appreciates everything you do for them. So whenever you can do something for the client, do, because that is going to come back to you somehow. It comes from basically doing your job the best way you can and being friendly and being prompt. Yeah, I think that's basically it. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's like such good tips. Yeah, I think we can conclude there with that super good summary. And this was our first podcast for translators or, you know, really dedicated towards translators. And so it's nice for us to kick off our translator podcast series uh, with one that was so concise. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me, guys. I'm really honored to be the first translator to launch your translator series podcast. And it was a pleasure meeting you both and being part of the podcast and chatting with you about something I really love, that is translation and working with clients. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks so much. Thanks, Carl. So that concludes the episode. Our listeners know that we always have a hard time concluding the episode. We, we don't have a conclusion tagline yet, but thanks for listening and uh, keep buzzing internationally.